Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Tuesday, October 23rd. The Clemson Tigers are fresh off a 41-7 smackdown of the NC State Wolfpack and playing their best football of the year, leaving us fans with only noon games and Kelly Bryant interviews to complain about. Cody, the bye week treated the team pretty well, and it did for us. Uh, we were actually went back to Clemson for uh, the wedding of our co-host Sam and his now bride, Katie. Uh, so spent and had a good time back in Clemson. We uh, had a lot of fun, got to see some old friends, hung out in downtown Clemson, uh, drank some mind erasers, ate at the Smoking Pig, half the top 10 loss. All in all, it was a pretty damn good weekend. The weather was amazing. So we thought there was going to be a hurricane or the aftermath of a hurricane with just a torrential downpour. Um, that all, that just like that blew away all the warm weather that people were experiencing that eight, those 80 degree temperatures and just ushered in the 70 degree beautiful sunny day uh, that you know Sam and Katie they got to enjoy as the sun was setting right there uh, by the Magin Center. Great wedding, great time in Clemson. Um, if you saw 30-something-year-olds acting like 20-something-year-olds in downtown Clemson uh, two Saturdays ago, that was us. Or you, if you saw 30-year-olds feeling like 40-year-olds the next day, that was us as well. Um, yeah, so overall, a, a pretty damn good weekend. It was it was fun. It was actually the first time you and I, and then also our buddy Vince, it was the first time we ever actually hung out in Clemson together. I can't believe that. Yeah, what happens is you you when you get into TDs or you you get to triple T's, whatever your your starting point. But I know those are generally the two starting points for most people. You anyhow, you revert right back to your old, we'll say 21, 22 year old ways. Um, but yeah, it was it was great to be there. Um, stay away from those mind erasers. Yeah, they are as advertised. Um, yeah, so a ton of chaos uh, going on that weekend. Aside from. Um, you know, what we were doing and our agenda hanging out in Clemson. But um, Tully and the Shaken Southland guys spoke about it in the episode last week. But, Cody, I just want to kind of get your reaction. You know, we've, we've seen these these weekends in the past, specifically after Clemson has lost a game. You had the two years ago against Pittsburgh and then last year against Syracuse getting that one loss and having this woe is me attitude. And then all of a sudden you see all this other chaos happen. Fortunately for Clemson this year, it, it, the drama happens not because of a Clemson loss. It just happens because, like I said, half the top 10 went down. That was incredible to see. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. We talked about it two weeks ago, and I, I was telling you, Ben, this is shaping up to be like four undefeated teams. And I said, I shouldn't say that because we say it every year. And, and then there's the the drama happens, the unexpected losses. Um, and then, of course, you know, Georgia, then Ohio State. Um, but I said, we need to put up style points. We need to, you know, play like there's going to be five or four undefeated teams. Sure enough, you know, that that was, I, I've learned my lesson. That will not happen next year. Well, and the icing on top of the cake is that we are putting up style points. At least we have in the last two games. True. I mean, I, and I don't think it's, it's not by design. The team's just getting better. 
and it's it's becoming a really nice thing to watch. Yeah, and like I mentioned, they're playing their best football um, of the year, and it's really starting to become a complete team. We know what they can do on defense, and the, you know, the things we had questions about on defense, I think we have a lot of positive answers to that coming out of this weekend's game, and same can be said of the offense. Um, I was fortunate enough, I, I turned this into an extended vacation and went down to Charleston for the week to hang out with my parents, drove back up to Clemson on Friday, and actually got to take in that NC State game. Uh, my first game back on campus since the South Carolina beatdown two years ago. Um, so, yeah, always always fun to be back in Clemson. I did go to the Texas A&M game earlier this year, but just being back in Clemson, of course, has a different feel. And then being able to to go to Death Valley and sit in there and, and watch uh, such an amazing win like that was pretty fun. And I would say the best part about it is, and some of you may recall this, um, a listener of ours named Rob Matthews from Ireland. He got into American football maybe a couple years ago, uh, started getting into college football, and then found his way into liking Clemson. We talked about it this weekend with him. Um, you know, when he starts to started to pick out a team, he's like, okay, I'm not going to like Alabama because that's being a bandwagon fan. They're the, the most elite team in college football. So right about this time, Clemson is, you know, you know, rising in uh, uh, to the top tier of college football. So he starts following. He starts looking for podcasts. He latches onto our podcast and he starts listening. He reaches out to us um, as things would unfold. He made his first trip to the States uh, a couple weeks ago. And as part of that, made a trip down to Clemson this past past weekend. So got to meet him, uh, got to tailgate with him for a little bit. Great guy, Rob. It was, uh, it was awesome talking to you. And I hope to get to see you again. If, if not at another Clemson game, again, I invited you out here to San Francisco. Um, but that was really cool. It was really cool to meet up with him. Yeah. I must say his whole, uh, perspective of college football, it's been completely ruined now. I'm assuming he's never been to another college football game in Correct. the States. So, so like once you start with Clemson, that's like, you know, that's as good as it gets, you know? So it's, everything's, it's uphill from here, as you, I guess you would say. Um, how was the weather? Uh, weather was great. It got up to right around 70, a little bit after the, the kick, 70, 71 degrees. Once the skies cleared up, we had a little bit of sprinkles in the morning, but that was about it. But yeah, otherwise a, a beautiful day in Death Valley and, and a beautiful game to watch. Um, always a great time there. Uh, Sad news coming out of all of that was the um, the the collapse of the floor at that party at the Woodlands, which was actually pretty um, difficult to learn about. I actually talked to some students who were heading over to that party at the end of the game. So glad to hear that for the most part, everyone was all right and there was no fatalities. But our thoughts out to everybody who got injured in that and uh, hope you guys have a speedy recovery. It made the local SF news out here, and I was like, "Wow, where is that?" And I saw Clemson. Uh, yeah, yeah. Our thoughts uh, go to those those folks. Um. Okay. So before we get into the game here, uh, want to remind everybody to follow us on SoundCloud or iTunes, um, any of your podcasting apps. We're now available on Podbean, as we learned, and also Stitcher. If you'd like to reach out to us, we're the Clemson Podcast at gmail.com. We're at Clemson Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. And once again, to everybody who has left us such positive reviews on iTunes, that that, that goes a long way to really getting us out there. And uh, can't begin to tell you how much we appreciate that. 
um, it, it's awesome to see. And as, as we continue on into our fourth year of the podcast, it really gives us the motivation to keep doing this. As long as you, as long as you guys want to listen, we'll be here uh, to do this. So really appreciate that. Um, and so let's, with that, let's get into the NC State game. Okay, Cody, a trend that we've been seeing here is uh, Dabo and, and the Tigers getting in a lot of the backups and almost everybody that's that's dressed out for the game. And you would not maybe have expected that would have happened coming into the North Carolina State game. But we played 84 of 95 players on the roster in this game in route to a 41 to 7 victory over North Carolina State. I was a bit shocked uh, that the the that it was such a beatdown, and honestly, it should have been worse than that. But you know, coming into the game, Vegas did not see it that way. What was your take? Well, well coming in, no, I, I thought I thought Vegas is, is smarter than all all of us. Um, so usually they know what they're doing. I think they might've had to pull the line down. I bet, I bet they, they were on to what was going to happen more so than us. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think what's happened, you mentioned like the reserves, it, it sounds like, or it seems like some of these guys, uh, the second stream, third stream depth is really starting to come along and coupled with the fact that I think guys are really, really motivated. And I, I, frankly, I, I did not think of NC state as quite the, um, the, the team that would get them as amped, but it, something about Doran, something about Bradley well, the, Chubb and some things that have happened in the last two years really, uh, really got them motivated. Yeah. I mean, I would point to the close games uh, having an effect on that as well. And the, the, especially the defense wanting to go out there with, with something to prove. Obviously the offense still has something to prove with us uh, as we continue the transition into Trevor Lawrence as the starting quarterback. We see the evolution of both the run and the passing game, but really great to see the defense get after it. And to put it in perspective um, with Clemson having played 84 uh, players yesterday, Bama in their route of Tennessee played only 44. Um, there's similar numbers for other high-profile high teams and blowouts, such as Ohio State, although Ohio State has now fallen. But um, that is the philosophy at Clemson, and it seems to be playing out, and we're going to see it more and more over the course of the season is as you get towards the end of the year and into the college football playoff, just how valuable this death becomes um, as far as resting guys, but also just having dependable backups in case of injury and just to spell guys during the game. Yeah, and the other part of that is is the is the thing that you can sell and market to recruits. Uh, I think I read it on Clemson Pauls, uh, our guy Chris, who uh, totally interviewed not too long ago. I believe he wrote something along the lines of, "Hey, we played seventy-two guys, come to Clemson, play early for an elite team, um, stay fresh to win championships or to play for championships." So there's a, there's a method to Dabo's madness. Um, I think Quacking Tiger of Shaking the Southland said something. I wish he would be a little bit more uh, – I wish he would err more on the first and second stringers when we're playing like a Syracuse and the game's still – it's not in hand. But uh, but I I, I'm ten, I really like what's what's happening and the way we're bringing along that depth. And and frankly, we're not as good on paper as we would be if we, if we did the Alabama model. If we started our – I should say if we gave our first and second teamers all of the reps – some of the outcomes would be different. Some of the games would look cleaner, but we don't, but it's going to pay dividends in the long term. Yeah. Well, and the season is a marathon, not a sprint, right? You know, I, I mentioned earlier this year, it's not that we necessarily needed to get all these style point points early in the season. It's about getting these guys reps and getting them experience and also resting your, your, your main starters. And as we've seen the last couple games, it really starts to materialize and, 
you know, whereas at the beginning of the season where maybe there are a little bit, there, there are some struggles at the beginning of the games when we have second and third stringers in so early. But now these last two games, you're starting to see those struggles disappear and not have much of a drop off when we get to these backups just because, I mean, we know that they're more talented than our than the teams that we're playing against. But now they're starting to get that just such valuable experience and they're starting to become dependable. And then also with the new redshirt rule and you getting four games uh, in a season and still being able to redshirt, you saw KJ Henry has maxed out his four games. He's going to redshirt this year, but he did get some good experience. Mike Jones Jr., Jake Venables, and Justin Maskell got into this game making their season debut for the first time. They'll redshirt, but still got four games from them. Same thing with uh, Jamie Skalski. So um, you mentioned it. This is something in recruiting that is going to work, being able to point to this. And the fact that you are going to play when you come to Clemson and Dabo really rewarding players for all their hard work, but it's also going to pay dividends when it comes to to facing the best at the end of the season. Yeah, I think Dabo learned something in that 2015 season, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Some of those guys were just gassed. Um, There were injuries. Guys were playing through injuries and it really came back to bite them in the, in the championship game. And, Part of like the mental kind of leaks into the physical and something about probably playing injured. Just I think it wore guys down psychologically. So I think that was it was a learning moment for Dabo, like to be it to play at this level and to do it continually year after year. Um, when you're playing 15 games, you just got to do what you got to do, and and that might mean putting in second and third teamers um, in, in meaningful reps, giving them meaningful reps uh, in meaningful games. Um, Luckily, I think this this season couldn't have worked out any better in terms of our opponents and, and the weakness, the relative weakness of our schedule. Right. And even the teams that are supposed to give us a challenge, it's, you know, a team like NC State. And we'll see what Boston College is able to do. We'll see what Florida State is able to do this weekend. But even even the best teams besides Clemson in the ACC right now can't even uh, really give us uh, much in the way of competition, to be honest with you. And part of me would like to see us be able to play better competition, but at the same time, I also want to see what NC state does for the rest of the season. I mean, all the talk coming into this game was that if NC state somehow pulled off the win, that there was not a loss less left on their schedule in conference. And just because they lost to Clemson doesn't mean that they're going to lose another game in conference. So they still have um, a lot to play for this year Um, they could certainly still make um, one of the bigger bowl games so you know you may not see NC State fade off and kind of like the Texas A&M game I think this is one that will continue to mature and look better as the year goes on I think so we we we, uh, give David Dave Dorn a lot of flack uh, for some of his uh, his antics over the last few years but he is a good coach and I think he's done a great job given given what you have to work with at NC State, it's not exactly a sleeping giant the way that Clemson was a sleeping giant before Dabo arrived. Um, But he's made that into a quality, what seems to be top 25 perennial team. So you you got, it's a good team. And what happened on Saturday is, hey, if we play a top 25 team, this, we're going to beat you by a few scores. Um, We'll see if we can maintain that and play with that sort of uh, consistency and and prepare in that same way and that's that's what you see that's how you know you're you're hitting that championship level well and i think the leadership on this team combatant with the fact that so many guys know that they have the opportunity to get into the game and also so many guys know they have the opportunity to have someone else go in there ahead and play ahead of them 
Um, I think that kind of keeps the fire lit under everybody. It keeps everybody focused. Um, so again, that's just another byproduct of playing all these players. And we've seen this philosophy evolve over the past few years. And now that our depth is just so genuine in talent, um, you're really starting to see it uh, play out and become more and more um, successful in these games that we're playing. And it starts to, you may question a little bit at the beginning of the season as we start to shake off some of the rust and uh, start to work out some of the kinks. But man, when those kinks get worked out, it's a beautiful thing to watch. It is. And, and one other really bright spot from this game is you always want to see what kind of game plan a defensive coordinator and sp sp really specifically our offensive coordinators, you want to see what they're going to come up with. Like they should be sharp. They should have a few play calls at, at a minimum where you're like, okay, they, they know what they're doing. They watch some film. Um, there was the perfect game plan that was crafted up on uh, both offense and, uh, offense and defense. And in, in off on the offensive side, I think it's a little bit more um, you're reacting to what the defense is throwing at you. So it's a little bit more in-game adjustments. And it, you know, it was pretty obvious what NC State was doing. But got to give a lot of credit to the offensive, uh, the, the offensive and defensive coaches for getting, the guy, getting guys really locked in. It, it matters because when you go play uh, the, the semi-championship game, we saw it against Ohio State. We saw it against Oklahoma. I think this team, they're, they're about to hit their stride. They're not quite there, but they're close. Okay, on that note, let's stick with the offense here and break down their play in this game. Okay, Cody, uh, nearly a complete 180 from what we saw against Wake Forest where we didn't really need to rely on the passing game much and we just gashed them in the running game. You had three running backs over 100 yards. The team as a whole failed to gain over 100 yards on the ground this game, but it, it wasn't needed. And it's funny how when your passing game is working so well, you don't really complain about your running game not working so much. Now, NC State's philosophy coming into the game is they were going to stack the box playing one high safety and really uh, dare us to throw the ball, and we did, and we did it successfully. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm not going to say Trevor Lawrence was, you know, he was looking like Deshaun Watson. It was kind of obvious, but apparently, I think, I believe it was one of the coaches said that he turned – he, Lawrence audibled about eight or nine different plays and run plays into pass plays, just given the, the, what he saw pre-snap that's showing a level of maturity. And then some of the passes he made look like clockwork. And I'm talking about when he was thrown from the opposite hash all the way to the sideline to T Higgins or Darian Kendrick. Those are not easy passes. Those are certainly not passes Kelly Bryant could have made. Um, but those are just really tough to defend. And that, we talk about things like we talked about a lot over the last few years on on offense. What are the things that a competitor can't take away from you? And that's just something that a, a team is going to have a really hard time taking away from Clemson going forward. Yeah, and you you speak of those uh, opposite uh, sideline passes from Trevor Lawrence. I mean, those are a lot of throws, or those are a lot of those throws are throws that even NFL quarterbacks can't make. Uh, you know, we saw a game last night uh, in Monday Night Football. I, Doubt Eli Manning can make a lot of those throws with as much zip as Trevor Lawrence puts on that ball. And when you're able to do that, it makes the, def the, the defenders, you know, guard and defend every portion of the field. And that's really hard to do. And you really saw it 
uh, again, with, with Trevor Lawrence as a starting quarterback for this team, this offense performs at a completely different level than it does with, with where it did with Kelly Bryant back there. And you're really starting to see it play out now. We're no longer one dimensional and we can really afford to take what the defense gives us. Now you couldn't really do that under Kelly, uh, Kelly Bryant because the offense can only do so much under him, but now you saw it in Wake Forest. If, if they're going to give us the run game, we're going to take the run game. We're going to run all over you. And you saw it in this game. If you're going to take away that run, well, now we have the quarterback that can make the throws to, to beat you. Yeah, it's that duality and balance that is, is it, that's what makes you a championship team. You can look back to Ohio State as a, as a perfect example from 2016 when we played them in the semifinals. Uh, they were just rolling through the Big Ten uh, at a historic uh, pace in terms of what they could do rushing the ball. But there was absolutely no balance to JT Barrett, the quarterback for Ohio State. His game, he couldn't pass downfield. It's really easy for a top 10 defense, and that's what you're going to face, if not top five defense in those semifinals. It's really easy to defend if you can't balance it with some type of downfield passing. And as you said, horizontal. Like, uh, and, like Let's talk about that for a second. Like The screen passes now, the, those, those, um, the bubble screens, even, like these things work all of a sudden. You're getting all of this, this space. You have, to, you have to fear part of the vertical threat, but also the quick passing, those lasers out of Trevor Lawrence's arms, uh, arm gives – these playmakers a chance to get up field. Yeah. And the, the thing is, you talk about the downfield passing game. He hasn't really been throwing his deep ball all that well quite yet. We know he's going to work that out, but there's, there's still a lot of things to work on, but when the machine is, is working and, and, and moving as well as it is right now, it's easy to overlook that stuff. But man, it also makes you think that when everything is clicking on all cylinders, that it's going to be a really, really hard uh, offense to stop. And, you know, looking down to who we might play in the playoff, and we're all assuming Alabama right now, given how good they've looked this year. Their defense isn't what it usually is, so that doesn't scare you as much. Yeah, not not to get into the contenders and how we would fare, uh, but we I think we could. I think the point being, uh, we could put up points on on anyone because of the combination of elite running, and I think that's that's our that is our staple. Uh, as much as I love the passing this year with our offensive line and its makeup and, and the mechanics of it, I, it just makes sense that within Etienne, of course, it makes sense that we are an elite running team, and that's what, that's how we'll we'll build and we'll build from there. But to complement it, and that's the great thing. That's what we were hoping for, knowing this was a, a veteran offensive line. We were hoping we could lean on the run game as Trevor Lawrence develops in the passing game. And it's, it, it kind of took some twists and turns to get here where Trevor Lawrence is our starter and, and, uh, and he's, he's starting to come along. But here we are, man. And looking at S&P ratings, and we'll talk a little bit more about where Clemson stands, but we talked early uh, preseason about if this can be a, a top 15 S&P offense, I think that might be good enough to, to win a championship. Well, we're number 11 right now through, through seven games. And, it, well, and that, yeah, well, and, as, and as Dabo mentioned, you know, number one, we're at number eleven, so that is ahead of a uh, schedule of where we thought we were going to be, um, and and what we needed to do to win a national championship. Uh, but Dabo mentioned it in a in a press conference is that with the defense that we have on the field, you don't feel like when you're on offense you have to go out there and score every time. So if you do have to punt, it's not that big of a deal. Um, so that does take some pressure off the offense. There were some hiccups in this game, and there's, again, like I mentioned, a lot to improve on. But what we're seeing is a completely different offense than we had um, under Kelly Bryant. Uh, another uh, S&P stat to, to point out here, which shows you that improvement in the passing game, is 
Last year, we were number 43 in S&P on passing downs. We're number two this year, which is a huge jump. That That's a that's the one you have to look at. The other, uh, and by the way, I think passing downs last year was something like, would you say 43? It was 43, yeah. And to give it a little color or context to people that don't follow S&P ratings, that's like when uh, you're getting to a third and long and the defense knows you're going to pass and they can get into their dime package or their nickel, whatever, um, whatever they'll get into. If they, if you become predictable and, and Kelly Bryant's your quarterback, it's, you're, you're going to get stopped on third and longs. That's just that's what happens. But to be number two this year, it's hey, we can be in third and long, and we're and you know what's coming, but we have the guy with the arm talent that can still beat you. That is an unbelievable improvement. The other one that stands out is uh, the, the variance, which is your explosive plays. Are you generating variance and, and capitalizing on it? And we're only 63. That's really really low. It's our worst offensive metric, but a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that. Well, for one, Trevor Lawrence hasn't, doesn't have a full year, and he's not connecting on some of the long passes yet. But that doesn't mean that teams don't fear the long pass. So I think the numbers can't account for just the fear of the vertical threat and what that's opened up in the run game. Yeah, so th- that was interesting to see because we were number 47 in that metric last year. So I am I'm curious how we end up at that 63 number because – of course, with ETN, and we have uh, seen an increase in the success rate of the downfield passing game. So I expect that that's going to rise from that number 63 number. Um, but that being said, at the end of the day, the top 11 offense with room for improvement, and I expect to see a lot of improvement. Um, I'd have to think that things are only looking up from here. Yeah, that number 11, it feels like that's just the starting point. And, and if we're not in the top 10 and, and maybe even top five by the end of the year, something might have went wrong. So uh, part of this um, is the emergence of T. Higgins and Justin Ross at the wide receiver position. Uh, You know, both of them are an upgrade over Deion Kane from last year. And I would say that um, Amari Rogers on the outside is upgrade from Ray Ray McLeod. Of course, you still have Hunter Renfro. Um, Trevion Thompson uh, made an impact in this game. And Darian Kendrick saw a lot of action filling in there for current, essentially taking Cornell Powell's snaps, who we hear um, they planned a red shirt now. So a lot of these young guys, I don't, NC State had no answer for T. Higgins or really Justin Ross, but T. Higgins is looking uncoverable at this point. Yeah, you know, a few weeks ago, we were like, ETN's not getting enough praise. He should be getting Heisman consideration. I, and, and sure enough, he does get a little bit of Heisman consideration now. I think yeah, T. Higgins is the one that there, I haven't followed every team. I don't know that T. Higgins is the best wide receiver in the country. I think Jerry Judy from Alabama is pretty good. There's a couple others, but I, I can't imagine anybody has more talent than this guy. And um, the, the thing, the plays that look easy between Trevor Lawrence and T. Higgins, that those plays would have never happened last year. Uh, and, and that's no disrespect to Deion Kane, who might have been playing out of position, but T. Higgins just makes uncatchable balls look easy and by the way Hunter Renfro does the same thing and he might be the best version of himself in the slot that we've seen so far well and going back to T Higgins it's not just his ability in the downfield passing game he made a lot of key third down catches uh just really showing great hands and poise so again another upgrade over last year and um going back to Hunter Renfro for a second did you realize he had a brother on the team is it Cuppa Cooper no, it, I can't remember what his first name is, but he has. A, I did not realize this, so I was looking over the roster this morning. He has a brother that's a tight end. Those are mm-hmm. big shoes to feel, man. Um, yeah, man. Poor guy. Yeah. I imagine he's been riding his coattails his entire life. 
Not a, not not bad coattails to ride though. Kind of like Eli uh, Manning, right? Exactly. Um, other than that, uh, DeAndre Overton had a couple drops in this game, and I, I feel like if he continues to do that, he's going to continue to see his playing time decrease. Although he did bounce back with a nice catch and run from uh, Chase Bryce later in the game, but again. You're starting to see this passing game open up, and that combined with the running game, as both of them continue to evolve and mature and get better, this is going to be a tough, tough offense to stop. Um, we mentioned the running game. Uh, not much going on, although it was uh, very positive to see those four goal line runs uh, opening up some big holes. Three of those, Travis Etienne just kind of breezing in. Same thing with Lynn J. Dixon there for the last touchdown of the game. So I'm not going to, you know, gripe too much about the lack of the running game considering that NC State was was selling out to stop it. Um, I will say uh, the guards at right guard played a lot better this game. Pollard started and Cervenka played with Kate Stewart really not getting much action later in the game. So coming out of the bye week, it, it was positive to see them uh, provide a lot better protection for, or a lot better protection for Trevor Lawrence in this one. I think so. Well, he did a great job picking up the pressure, or, or we'll say he did a great job of just reading the defense. And again, I mentioned the the pre-snap audibles that he called when he saw that, hey, there there there's stuff in the box. We should uh, we should probably uh, convert to a pass play. So that's that's one part of like poise and maturity that your development that you're seeing, but also just like on the zone reads where he knew that they were selling out to stop the run and, and to stop Travis Etienne. And he ran, uh, you know, he ran for a couple, I can't remember if it was like two different zone reads where he took it and he had nothing but open field. Um, and then he stepped, stood up in the pocket, stepped up in the pocket uh, and se- seemed to sense the pocket and have a better feel for it uh, where he was able to get upfield. So he he's, offensive line gets a lot of credit, but uh, Trevor Lawrence is, he really, that bye week really helped. And I, again, I thought he was still co- recovering from an injury uh, against Wake. Well, and you mentioned in the quotes um, from him during the bye week, I think he didn't realize how much pressure he was under, how much stress he was under until he had a time to, to some time to sit there and take a deep breath and reflect on the first half of the season. So, yeah, he's really coming into his own. He can uh, stand to work on his sliding coming up a yard short on that one play. But uh, other than that, you're really, you're really starting to see him evolve. And now he's starting to get help from his off in the offensive line and giving him the protection that he needs. Um, there is still a lot to be lacked out of the, uh, or a lot to be desired out of the tight end position. Uh, Mylon Richards still hasn't learned to block. Um, he had some poor efforts in this game and then wasn't able to get in uh, for that touchdown in the third quarter. Part of that may have been Garrett Williams pretty much tackling him at the goal line there, but um, really want to see Braden Galloway get some more snaps uh, going forward. I believe he was only in there for four snaps this game, maybe. It wasn't much. Yeah, in, in fairness, Galloway, I don't think he's ready to give you the blocking. Um, we'll see in time if he can develop that. But I, I think between well, Garrett be fair, Williams... Mylon, to be fair, Mylon Richard isn't likewise not ready to give us the blocking, and it's been four years. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it from that standpoint, then at least Galloway does offer... He already offers uh, a, a superior receiving threat, probably the best one on the roster at the tight end position. So, uh, fair enough there. I would just say, going forward, at least next year and beyond, I think Garrett Williams and and Braden Galloway are a nice, um, have complimentary skill sets in that regard. All right. So before we wrap it on the offense here, I want to point out how well uh, Chase Bryce played in limited action. 
you know, after seeing him play against Syracuse and go down on that game-winning drive and him just coming in yesterday and looking completely confident in himself, he was hitting throws. Um, I feel a lot better about him being our second-string quarterback. I see a lot of people on message boards saying that at this point he would have uh, beat Kelly Bryant out for the, the for the second-string job. I think that's false. Um, I think that's just a bunch of hyperbole and people kind of uh, – speaking with their emotions. But that being said, he does look more comfortable back there. And that makes me more comfortable with him being the backup. Yeah. The things he can do with his arm when he's confident uh, is unquestionably undoubtedly better than Kelly Bryant. But yeah, he's, he's not, uh, he's not taking uh, Kelly Bryant's spot if he's on the roster. But yeah, as you said, just seeing him be confident, uh, I think it was uh, just a slant route um, and having that same compact uh, release with, with good arm strength, uh, as as Trevor Lawrence, he it, it's good to see. Um, it, it's not a bad not a bad backup to have at all. Well, so that wraps it up for the offense. Uh, overall, we saw them, you know, be dynamic in the passing game this time, which was a again a one eighty from how well they rushed in the Wake Forest game. So it's it's good to see them be multi dimensional and be able to respond to what the defense is giving them. And now that we have that this passing attack, it really opens up what this offense can do, and they're not so limited, um, in, in, you know, to just the run game. So great to see. Uh, we expect them to continue to improve. Now let's move over to the defense. Okay, this defense now ranks as the number two SP defense on the year. Um, they're the number one rushing defense, which is not surprising. Uh, number two on standard downs, which really helps and set up more difficult third down situations. Uh, we're number six on passing downs, so that, that speaks a lot to the defensive line. But what we really saw in this game is kind of a coming out party for the secondary, not just the starters, but the backups played well um, too. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, the the secondary is where I've had my eyes all year. And, and, and that in, I should say the back seven. Uh, and to, to go up against what was supposed to be the best, and it is the best passing quarterback we'll face all year, and, and an NFL quarterback, by the way, because that's where Finley is headed uh, as a backup or otherwise. I think uh, you may be selling Jake Bentley short, but we'll get that to that later. Yeah, we'll get to that later. So uh, I, with, with that in mind, uh, just how they came out, Brent Venable's game plan, it was it was great to see um and a lot of that had to do with the pass rush but man we we have a couple of lockdown corners uh which we thought we had earlier in the season and uh, things are coming to fruition yeah and between um mullen and terrell they played most of the game you saw, saw mark fields get in there and get some action we didn't really see a lot out of kyler mcmichael mario goodrich in this game um anthony williams made it in he still needs some work um, he let a guy go up and over him to pull one down without really challenging him there on the last drive um, by NC State of the game. But overall, I, I thought the secondary played pretty well. Isaiah Simmons was in there in a lot of plays, making tackles in space. Um, Tanner Muse has improved so greatly from last year. We know what he can do in the run game. He had that pretty sack on the second play of the game, but he's been pretty outstanding in pass coverage as well. Yeah, the, the Kraken will tell you his his position at weak side safety is the toughest one on the roster in terms of what you have to have to be able to pick up, uh, seeing where the routes peel off and and seeing what's going on and not being over aggressive. On that back end, you're the last line of defense. So he's he's done a great job putting the mental and the physical together this year, I believe. Um, and Nolan Turner, Nolan Turner, he made along. some plays too. Yeah, and recovered that onside kick. 
Um, and you you can just see him and and, and Denzel Johnson. They, they're playing quicker. They're moving faster. It's they they're are. never they're never slow guys. They just were they were timid, and especially against A and M. And and they're just starting to all the reps they've they've received so far. They're starting to find some confidence. Yeah, the light's really coming on for those guys. And I was going to mention Denzel Johnson uh, as well. I thought he had some really nice plays in this game. So um, really refreshing to see the secondary respond. Another kind of issue in our pass protection has been the linebackers and coverage. Our starting linebackers are great defending against the run, but they do have limitations there. Um, really great move by uh, Brent Venables in this game, leaving Jalen Williams in there along with Joseph and Simmons on a lot in a lot of passing situations. Um, and while Williams was in there, he did well enough against the run to warrant leaving him in there. So he had that great interception uh, down there while NC State was driving and uh, getting into the red zone. So really good to see him playing so well. Yeah, and credit to Brennan Venables for finding ways to augment what is – it's tough to call linebacker speed a weakness at Clemson. But because it's like what team in the country has linebackers that are covering like Luke Keekley, Like maybe Bama, but not even them always. It's like, you know, so I, I'm – you know, you can call that a, a weakness, but every college team deals with it. But credit to Venables for finding he's and he's been doing it the last few years, finding different ways to to augment or mitigate what might be a, a bit of a weakness against against someone that can pick you apart like Finley. Yeah, we knew this coming in that that NC State's game plan was going to kind of be to dink and dunk downfield the 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 shaking the Southland guys with Tully said as much last week when they previewed this team, but uh, our talent and athleticism was just way too much for them to overcome. You saw our guys flying all over the field; they tackle well. Um, and it really stymied what NC State was ever able to do and really frustrated uh, Ryan Finley on the day. And, like, listen, North Carolina State has good wide receivers, too. So um, it's not like those guys were out there defending air, you know. They, they were defending some uh, some good players. So really, again, really refreshing to see them play so well um, and, and get that play from both the linebackers and the cornerbacks and the, and the safeties. It's great. It's great to talk about them. Finally, we've been talking about Christian Wilkins and, and those guys, including Farrell. You know what? Like, let me talk about just just Trayvon Mullen and, and Mitch Hyatt. Do they still play for Clemson? Because and that's like the best compliment you can possibly give those guys. Be like the witness like protection. Guys. About yeah. I, I mean, seriously, has Trayvon Mullen been in a play all year? I mean, it, it's like McKenzie Alexander. Uh, was that? 2015? Yeah, 2015, because they picked on Tankersley. Well, that's become an AJ Terrell. I mean, seriously, Mullen hasn't been picked on all year because he's that good as that good of a cover corner. Right. And so teams are having to pick on AJ Terrell. How's that working out for him? Yeah, he's coming along. And you're it's it's crazy how you can see, and we talked about Turner and Denzel Johnson, like it's a guy in the secondary, particularly a cornerback their confidence can be shaken. And you can also see when they when they start to gain their confidence, he's gaining it. And he already is a fast and very physically complete player. Um, man, he's, I think Quacking Tiger said Mullen will be a first-round pick and Terrell's not too far behind. And I've, I thought he was a stud last year as a freshman. And you're starting to see it come into, I guess, full force in this season. Yeah, and to be fair, he did have a couple of blown coverages in this game. Um he bit on, I think, that double move on that long pass, I think, on like North Carolina State's second or third drive, which was dropped and should have probably been a touchdown. But uh, overall, you you have to really like what you see out of uh, Terrell. And again, really, um, the pass coverage in this game was was a sight for sore eyes, to be sure. Um, you know, coming into this game, North Carolina State led the nation in third down conversions. 
Clemson held them to two of 13 on the day and just really frustrated them all day long. They really couldn't get anything going. Um, they had barely, just barely over 100 yards rushing, which they weren't going to lean on too much. But still, to be able to stop that as well um, really made them one-dimensional having to force them into the passing game. And there was just nothing there for them. Yeah, it was going to require just a, a masterpiece from Finley to, to keep this a game. Um, and that, that's credit to the, the defensive line for collapsing the pocket so quickly. It's, cr- it's credit to the Venables for calling the right the, uh, blitz packages. And, uh, and the other part of that is, and we haven't seen this too much this year, he didn't have open receivers to pass to. That was part of it. He had a short clock, but no one was open. No, there was very tight coverage all day. Um, I mean, bottom line here, Clemson has allowed 11 touchdowns this year, and five of those came late in the game, essentially in garbage time. So that, that that's six touchdowns, meaningful touchdowns through, uh, what, seven games now that we're seven or no. So this defense is a force to be reckoned with, and I know Alabama's good, and we're going to keep going back to referencing who we might play, and Alabama is right there on the top of my list, given what we've seen from them this year. But I'm becoming less and less concerned um about them of course you have to be concerned because they are such a great football team and playing them is going to be a tough battle but i'm feeling i guess i would say more and more confident um the more i watch this team and the more i watch them evolve that we can really go toe-to-toe with them and i think it's clear that there's two elite teams this year um in college football uh for sure that's alabama and clemson I think so. It, it took seven weeks, or is it eight weeks now, into the season for some of those preseason predictions to come true. But I could, I think we both thought the defense would start out as maybe the best defense in the country with not a lot of uh, upward mobility, we'll say. But what happened is they, they came out of the gates a little bit flat, um, and I think they were 11 or 9 starting out, and we've seen them get better and better and better. And you're and you've seen the same thing in like running conjunction with what the offense is doing. So it's actually been it's been great to watch because it's it's nothing wrong with being great at the beginning of the year and, and just like Alabama and take it all the way through the season. But it's good seeing players develop and it's good seeing the team start to start to gel. Yeah, and just uh, want to touch on special teams for a second here. That's the one area on this football team where we do not rank very highly in the S and P rankings. Um, you had that botched fake field goal by Will Sweeney. Um, got a little bit excited there, uh, trying to get up and go. Uh, dropped the ball twice, once on the snap, and then fumbled it when he was tackled. Um, you had the missed field goal from Spence. I mean, I'm only going to look into that so much because he's our, not our main field goal kicker. Um, Denzel Johnson had a great stop on that fake punt, though, and that's the positive I take out of this. Yeah, I would like to see our punting improve. Yeah, that as well. Don't really know. Will Spires seems to have been a better punter last year. Um, From the looks of things, Hunter Renfro is the best punter on the team right now. But yeah, certainly some area for improvement. You know, winning that field position battle uh, and being able to flip the field um, when you um, on on fourth downs on offense is huge when you're playing elite teams. So you certainly want to see that improve as the season goes on. Um, So that wraps up uh, our recap of the North Carolina State game. Um, it's really looking like now Boston College standing between us and uh, ACC Atlantic uh, Division Championship. Um, beat them and uh, anybody else is is going to have to hope we lose two games, which is not going to happen, to be quite frank with you. So that's one of the goals for this team, um, and it's looking like we're heading in that direction and all signs pointing up for the Clemson Tigers. 
Um, so that wraps it up again of our for our North Carolina State breakdown. And let's move on to looking around college football. Okay, Cody, we talked about all the chaos that uh, went down in week seven during the bye week in the top 10. But uh, the, the big news out of this one is Ohio State going down to Purdue, losing 49 to 20 there. Um, man, I love seeing Ohio State lose. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're clearly not quite the team that they were pegged to be. Uh, I would say even as, as recent as just a few weeks ago. Um, and with Urban Meyer and all that stuff that went on preseason, I, I couldn't help but like kind of like Baylor uh, a few several years ago to kind of root against them. Um, they could still, they're still in the hunt, just like Oklahoma is still in the hunt. Um, but that they're, uh, they got some work to do and, and that's, that's really good for Clemson. Yeah. And so let's stick in the, in the big 10 there. Another team that's vying uh, to come into that conference, um, get into the conference championship game and, and possibly make their way into the college football playoff is Michigan. Michigan has a 14 point victory beating Michigan state this weekend, 21 to seven. I quite honestly don't know why Michigan state was still ranked in the top 25. They've had some bad losses this year and, you know, people call that a dominating performance for Michigan, but I take that with a grain of salt given the, their competition. I'll be really interested to see Michigan play Ohio State later in the year. Well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still, I think they're coming along. They they have replaced Penn State as that second tier or second team in the Big Ten. Uh, at least they can give them a run for their money. I, I mean, would you, I mean, we'll say this. I think we both would agree. I don't fear Michigan. I don't fear Notre Dame either. We, we'll talk about all these teams, but. Um, I, I would be, well, I would consider that a welcome gift if Michigan sneaks into the playoffs. Well, and you know, I will, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tired of being in Ohio state and urban Meyer. Let's move on to Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Um, in the ACE in the, sorry, in the sec, Alabama, we mentioned goes out there, uh, with a route of 20, uh, Tennessee, 58 to 21. They were up 42 to 14 and half team that game. Um, interesting set that I saw come out when you're looking back at the dominance of, of Alabama this year and talking about how good their offense has been their 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 opponent is averaging the number 84th ranked defense on the year. So it's not exactly like they're playing the best defenses out there. Now, yes, granted, Tua is very good. He hasn't had to take a fourth, fourth quarter snap this year. But is Bama's offense maybe a little bit um, in the perception of – of them inflated a little bit based on that metric? No, I don't think so. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Um, that's the eye test. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But we we have a, we know what elite offense is like. Uh, we've been a better offense than them most years over the last seven years. We know we know what good offense is like and how how hard it is to play at a high level week to week. Um, and we have more experience with that, just as they have a little bit more defensive experience with that. Um, it's it's hard. It's hard. There's a lot of letdown letdown games as the as the season goes along, and the fact that they can do it even if even if it is a subpar competition, and do it with the efficiency and the and just the explosiveness that they do it, it's uh, it's unparalleled. Um, I, I so the the question is too. It's like, hey, when when you play an Auburn, when you play Georgia in the SEC championship game, if you were to play in a playoff, or is that level of success going to carry over? And no, not to the same degree. But come on, there. They have a, a great offensive line. They have great, great running backs, great wide receivers, the best player in college football. Like they're going to put up points. Yeah. And so LSU goes into to, to Oxford, Mississippi, beating uh, Mississippi State 
19 to three this weekend. So LSU continues to look solid, which is going to set up here in a couple weeks, the big showdown of Alabama versus LSU in Baton Rouge. Uh, both teams schedule works out that they get a bye before this. So they'll both be fresh coming off a bye week heading to this game. So I think all eyes are going to be on that. Um, I know LSU has one of their best defenders. that's going to have to miss the first half of that game. I think he had a targeting call um, against Mississippi state, but that's going to be a real interesting game. Uh, one of those two teams is not going to make the college football playoff, and the winner of that game is really going to be positioned well uh, moving forward here, and that's going to be an exciting game to watch. It's really going to give us a gauge of how good Alabama is, and the first yeah. time we have an opportunity this year to see that. Yeah, and I guess in my last rant, I wasn't trying to take a, uh, I wasn't trying to say that they can't be flustered because it's just to say what they've done is impressive, um, but it will be interesting once Tua gets hit and he, I don't think he's been really hit yet, and he hasn't seen the type of pressure that LSU will be able to throw at him. We'll see if how the wheels come off because they'll, they'll come off a little bit. But will you know? Will he be susceptible to mental mistakes once he starts getting hit? Um, will, will he find? We'll, we'll find out. Can he take a hit? He's he's not a he's not a really big guy. Um, so it, that will be interesting. You're you're right. I don't I don't I think they're going to blow LSU out, but it'll be in that first half. We'll say when he's when he gets his first sack, how's he going to respond to that? Because Clemson might be able to bring a similar sort of pressure. Well, by my estimation, it's either going to be a pretty close game where Alabama is going to win pretty handily. I don't see LSU running away with a blowout in this game. I just don't think their offense is good enough. Um, the last game I know from this weekend is in the Pac-12, and I bring this up because we're starting to see, uh, you know, obviously only four teams can make the college football playoff. There's five uh, uh, well, there's five of the Power Five conferences, but then also you have Notre Dame in the mix this year, so you could possibly see two Power Five conferences get left out. That's starting to shake out in the Pac-12. Washington State uh, beats Oregon over the weekend, weekend 34 to 20. So now you got to feel that Washington is probably out of the playoff race. Oregon feels like now out of the playoff race. Washington State now seems like their last viable option, sitting at six and one. Yeah, they're going to be. It's going to be a stretch. It's going. There's going to uh, be a lot of chaos around them. Um, I. I mean, let's say that the, the. Do you not feel the first three spots are pretty solidified, uh, and 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 in order with uh, that being Bama, Clemson, and Notre Dame. I'm still not sold that Notre Dame is going to win out. Um, give, give some time for you know. You saw this in their last game against what was it Pitt. Um, you know, Book has come in and played well at, at quarterback there. Um, but teams are going to start to get some tape on him and identify his weaknesses and be able to, 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 to zone in on that. So we'll see how he continues to develop and play over the course of the year. I understand that Notre Dame doesn't have the toughest of schedules going forward, but I'm also not sold or confident in Notre Dame based on what we've seen in recent, uh, the recent past. Yeah. And when I say, I, I feel like Clemson and Alabama or Alabama Clemson are one, two. I don't, Feel sure. confident that Notre Dame is the third best team. I just think in the pecking order, the playoff order, that'll be that'll come out uh, one week from today. They are solidly the the number three team. Um, if I had to pick a third team, it's probably Oklahoma. I think that every team beyond Clemson has some holes or some flaws, but at least Oklahoma would represent the team that has uh, just a unbelievable offense. Kyler Murray is is incredible, and there's very little drop off with after Baker Mayfield and then the. You know, Lincoln Riley uh, is just an offensive guru. So that would be the one team I would say it's probably three. But right now, if you're ordering it, um, I, four is just kind of a, revol a revolving door right now. I'd probably take Oklahoma. 
But you're overlooking uh, Texas right now and looking ahead to week nine. They've got at Oklahoma State this weekend, which is going to be a tough game for them. But what about Texas? I mean, that Texas-Oklahoma showdown uh, coming up is going to be huge uh, in determining who kind of advances out of this conference into their championship game and possibly getting into the college football playoff. I mean, as I see it right now, the Big 12 still has an opportunity to miss out on the playoff. So I wouldn't sell Texas short with it as well as they've been playing after that opening uh, game loss to Maryland. We'll see. I, I'm kind of like, uh, give me the big brand, the one that I, I recognize and that I'm familiar with. Um, and then everyone else, they have, it's like, prove it to me first. And uh, I know, I know the up and comers don't like it. And we used to be one of them, but I'm not ready to, but I think the playoff committee will, they err on the side of, have you been there before? Well, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, Notre Dame's got Navy this weekend. Navy, I think, is like two and five this year. So, should not be a strong test for Notre Dame, although. You know, playing a triple option is always tricky. Uh, going back to the Pac-12, Washington State is going to play at Stanford this weekend. If Stanford manages to pull that game off, that's going to kick Washington State out of the conversation. So, again, kind of reinforcing my thought that the Pac-12 is probably the most likely team to get left out uh, last uh, right now. Um, and then you got Florida at, at Georgia. You know, Georgia – given that that bad loss that they took to LSU, still in the driver's seat um, – or with every opportunity to remain in the driver's seat on the Eastern side of that conference. So the winner of this game though, is going to be positioned well to go to the, be the sec representative in the sec championship game. Yeah, I think so. And, and Georgia could also very well be that, that third best team. I would say behind Clemson, Alabama, they may be the most complete team, but it's just going to be a tough year for them given the, the one loss they already have the other viable contenders. And, and I'm sure the committee wanting to show a little bit more, um, representation uh, of different conferences. And, and of course, a two-loss team this year is, just isn't going to get in. But at least they have a chance to, to ruffle, uh, to kind of shake things up in the, whether it be, um, I guess it would just be in the in the conference championship. Uh, Florida's okay. Um, if they lose again, we'll know that they're, they're not, uh, they're not real contenders, we'll say. Well, not to overlook Kentucky either. Um, all three of these teams between Kentucky, Florida, and Georgia uh, sit at the top of the SEC East at four and one. So, I think Georgia is somewhat fraudulent. I don't think their schedule has been especially tough this year. And then when they were finally tested um, against LSU, they got, they got beat. Um, but, you know, this was going to be kind of their down year, um, kind of their bridge year spanning between their phenomenal season last year and all the talent they have, um, young talent they have on the roster and the talent they have coming in next year. So I think all signs are pointing right now, especially with Notre Dame hanging in there, that, I don't see a team or I don't see a conference, specifically the SEC, getting two teams in this year. So let me read. I want to go to Notre Dame for a second because that's your favorite team, them in, in Michigan. Um, you're a secret fanboy of those those two. Let me let me read off who they have left on their schedule. Navy at home at Northwestern, Florida State at home, Florida, uh, Syracuse at home, and then at USC. And preseason, we thought FSU might be okay. Um, and that, that one's at home. Syracuse could, if they can find some type of like Clemson spark, I doubt they will. And they reserve that only for Clemson. And at USC is, uh, they're not a top 25 team. They're, they're in their own rebuilding year, um, and waiting for greater things to come down the road. I don't see any, I mean, I, sure they could lose, but no conference championship. This seems like a, a done deal. I mean, would you not put it at, would you put it at 50% or greater, um, that they'll win out or less? 
It's it's hard for me to say because again, I don't think I really have a great gauge of of, of who Notre Dame is. I mean, I know they're not an ACC team, but just like us, they play an ACC schedule, and it's not a very good schedule. Um, Florida State is a somewhat improving team, but I still think they're um, under Taggart that they've got a lot of work to do. Um, I look at at Northwestern. Um, as a possible loss. Northwestern with three losses this year, one of those being a three-point loss to Michigan, a bad loss to Akron, and then their loss to Duke, who's actually a decent team this year. So, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's – if I'm Notre Dame, I don't feel comfortable overlooking anybody left on the schedule. Let's put it that way. Fair enough. And as I always say, if you can't beat a Syracuse or if you can't beat – Northwestern, you don't deserve it anyway. You don't want to. You don't have to play Clemson three weeks after that. I'd love to play Notre Dame in the playoff, and so would a lot of other teams. Um, anything else? Any other thoughts? Um, heading now, as you mentioned, we're a week out from the the college football, the first college football playoff rankings. Uh, well, it's funny. I I have Notre Dame friends out here, and we both talk. Are we all talking? We've we, we've said we want to get in the two and three spot, and say what you want. I'm not afraid of anybody, but you're you're kind of dumb if you're not a little bit afraid, as the old saying goes. Because you don't want to play Alabama in that first game. You want to you want to make it to Levi Stadium, and you want to you want the chance that someone upsets him in that first round. So it'll be interesting to see if Clemson can jockey right into that number two spot and just stay there um, and and not go down and not go anywhere close to the four spot. Well, honestly, I don't really see that happening with as well as we've seen the Tigers play. And I just don't think the competition at the top is as good as it has been in recent years. So I really have a hard time seeing Clemson falling. I don't see, um, especially if Clemson wins out, I, I don't see any way that Clemson is going to drop below two unless we have some really inexplicable, inexplicable sorry, close games against some of these weaker opponents left in our schedule. Um, but yeah, that wraps it up. For this show, we appreciate everybody listening. And, uh, you know, just before we go here, really got a, a lot of tragedies to touch on. We just want to kind of send our thoughts out to everybody. Um, obviously, the the untimely and, and, and tragic passing of C.J. Fuller, our thoughts are with his family. And then also everybody who was affected by uh, Hurricane Michael, it disrupted our travels a little bit. But I know... Um, it disrupted a lot of other people's lives, so our thoughts are out to them. Then, of course, to everybody who was a victim of that floor collapse uh, there at the Woodlands in Clemson. So a lot of tragic news coming out over the past few weeks. So we, re- we really hope the best for everybody. Um, appreciate everyone listening. Um, once again, you can connect with us at ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com. We're at Clemson Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. And we will be back at you again with a recap of the Florida State game this weekend. It doesn't have um, kind of as much of the pageantry or excitement as Florida State games have in the past, but always a tough environment to go down there and play at Tallahassee. So we're looking forward to uh, hopefully another big victory for the Clemson Tigers, and they're able to put that away early uh, without too much drama. So until we meet again after that game, go Tigers. We are live. I see the little yellow box. Sorry, I got a burp real quick. Hold on. Make sure your mic's on too.
It's on. Everything's like it normally is. Actually, I hear. Well, that's you. You sometimes your mic's not on, but I do hear you. Like I can hear you better. I, I think I can tell your mic is on. So it's good. It's on. Yeah, it's on. Hey, folks! Welcome back to the. You sniveled. Don't snivel. 